You know, when we celebrate and we, we observe and celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Christ, um, we do it on that day as we did last week, and then we move on. But I found myself wanting to stay uh, there for a bit and try to look at uh, what I would consider human, natural human uh, considerations. And so uh, as a result, I, I've, I've looked at the disciples at the moment that Christ was, they discovered that Christ was not in the tomb and, and uh, you know, they realized his power and they realized everything that he had said to them previously had come about. But we, we know later, as uh, Luke records in the book of Acts, that, you know, Jesus had, had uh, appeared to his disciples uh, over a period of 40 days and had, uh, you know, affirmed to them that he truly was the Son of God. And I'm sure that there was uh, a real sense of relief and comfort Every time they saw him, you know, during, the, during that time, because they, I think the memories were still fresh uh, regarding the crucifixion and the horrendousness of it. But there came a day, uh, which we know as the ascension of Christ, and Luke records this, that uh, they all were all come together, and as the disciples... Uh, were, were listening to the Lord. This is where the Lord had, had um, told him, uh, told the disciples that uh, they were to be witnesses. And the scriptures say that he just w rose in the air and just disappeared from sight. Now the angel said, you know, why are you looking at this? This, this same one, he'll come back. But, but what struck me or what strikes me, and, and I, I pull from our own uh, common experience in life, and that is, is that there are things that are there, people that are there, and then they're not. And it's a very uh, harsh sense of what do I do, how do I do. The disciples had walked with the Lord for three and a half years, and they had gone through, I think, quite a bit of shaping and forming by the Lord, but now they were on their own, and now it's, they thought they were on their own, and they were being tasked with continuing to be a witness for Jesus Christ, and, I, and I've thought about that. I've thought what would that be like? I mean, you know, first of all, to have that sense of, of we've had our master and our teacher and our rabbi and our friend, and now he's not with us. So how do we go about doing what he wants us to do? How do we continue without him there? And I found myself uh, focusing on something that the scriptures point out, kind of subtly, but they, they point it out nonetheless, and that is that they actually were, were guided and calmed, um, instructed 
by their memories of what Jesus Christ had said. They would call to that. They would recall what Jesus Christ had said. And so as I was, as I was thinking about that, there were so many things. In fact, as John writes, uh, the Apostle John writes in the last, almost the last verse of his, of his gospel, there are many other things that the Lord did, and I'm su- I suppose that if we were to write them all down, every, everything that the Lord had done, that the, there's not enough books in the world to contain what he had done. So as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking, you know, we have the advantage of knowing how the disciples uh, continued. We know from the book of Acts, we know from the epistles, we know how that the, um, the invitations of the Lord continued through the disciples. And, I, and so I found myself wondering, well, how is that? You know, how, how did that take place? And I want to start out by, um, by reading a text or my text where they were first reminded what they should do in order to have answers to how they should live from here on out. If you recall, when they went to the tomb, when the some went to the tomb, and they 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 saw the tomb was was empty, the angel said to them, he said, they said, He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you. Remember. And then it says that uh, you know. By remembering that, that the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and the third day rise again, and they remembered his words. And I begin to focus in on that throughout, uh, because I think that's the key, not only of, as to how the disciples were able to continue the, the, the ministry and the teachings of Jesus Christ, but I also think that that is how we are able to continue in our life and love for the Lord, and it's by remembering his words, what the Lord actually said. Now, of course, we were not there, and so we don't hear his words, but God in his infinite wisdom preserved his words for us in the scriptures so that though we were not there we can read what was said what he said and that enables us to remember and so what struck me throughout this is the various things that Jesus would say unequivocally that he would do so if we were to if we had the opportunity this morning to even speak to the, to the apostles or the disciples, um, you know, we might have some questions that we could ask them, and I feel confident that they would just simply, instead of trying to extrapolate and explain and give all kinds of cutesy things, I think they would just have, have just said, well, this is what the Lord said. This is what he said. And so in that, I I found that there were several, uh, throughout the New Testament, several definite statements that Jesus made regarding what he was willing to do. And it's captured in each, each verse that we'll go through 
when he said, I will do this. I will do this. And I think that that is what will stand us well in our lives is to also trust, as the disciples did, the promise and the statements and the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the words of the Lord regarding various things. Now, the first thing, uh, let, let's assume, let's imagine if we can or think back for us to remember what it was like, what it was like. When we, before we became a Christian, those that are here that, that are Christians. What it was like? Well, it was like, you know, you, you heard about Christianity and you heard about that. And you'd see people and everything. And while you may have believed in Christianity for other people, there may have been a, a source of doubt regarding yourself. In other words, I, I think that uh, it, I'm safe to say that, that many of us, believe with all of our heart that salvation uh, is good for other people, but sometimes we might question our own, will God forgive me? Have I done too much or have I not done enough and will God forgive me? And if we were to ask, say, one of the disciples, let's say John, we had the opportunity, John, what did the Lord have to say about being saved or salvation? And John would just step up and say, well, I can tell you exactly what I remember the Lord saying, the Apostle John says. He says, I remember him saying one day that all that the Father gives me and will come to me and anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And then he continues, he said, and on another day, he said, our Lord said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, that guided John throughout his life from that point on. He knew, he knew that anyone who would come to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ would in no wise refuse or cast out. In other words, whosoever will or anyone can come to the Lord. And so in that, I'm, I'm thinking, well, if, it, if that's what they recalled that he said and it was good for them, that ought to be good for us too. We ought to be able to recall, remind ourselves, and keep in place in our hearts that Jesus said, I will not cast anyone out who comes to me. And in that, we find that Jesus Christ is able to extend his message if we believe the same thing. In other words... Imagine this, let's say someone, not John, let's say someone comes to you and they have this discussion and they've worried about their life and they've seen church and they've kind of been to church at different times, but they have never ever given their life over or, or asked for salvation. What would you say to them? Do you tell them to find a church that's exciting or do you tell them to find something that just has all kinds of programs and everything or... Can we just simply remember the words of the Lord and tell them that? Which is what? The Lord said that anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. We can tell that person that. And those words have power to that person. All right. So the Lord had a definite I will regarding salvation. But then there were other things. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of when Jesus first began uh, his ministry. And it's very interesting because, you know, it was one man, 
one teacher, one voice, but he began to gather up people around. Now, everything cannot rest on the shoulders of Jesus Christ regarding Christianity. He is our source. But he knew that he needed to find others, invite others to come and be a part with him. And so if we were to ask, let's say, Peter, is there any way that I can serve the Lord? And Peter would say, well, I'll tell you what happened to me. I was fishing with my brothers one day and Jesus, this rabbi came up and he he said unequivocally, without a doubt, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will. So for us today, I think that that is uh, very, very important to understand this, that Jesus Christ does not call us and then not equip us. He is able to shape us to what he desires us to do for his sake and for his name. Now, with that said, I do believe that so often or too often, unfortunately, that people will try to embark in, let's say, service or church or Christianity or whatever, based on their own desires of what they want to do. I can remember early on, I wanted to be another Billy Graham. I wanted to go out and just, you know, change the world. But that was, that was not what, what Jesus wanted me to do, I don't think. He wanted me to be in Newcastle across the river. And so that's where I am, you know. But I know this. I know that, that as he was able to shape Peter into becoming a fisherman of men... He is also able to shape all of us to become those vessels that we each need to be. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, how does that happen? What, what does that mean, fishers of men? Well, Jesus later said, Peter, I think, would recount. He said one day, he said, the way that this works in service is if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So, so in that, Jesus has a very unequivocal statement that, yes, he wants us to serve. He wants us to follow him and serve. But the best way to serve the Lord is not by lifting ourselves up, but by lifting up the Lord himself. Because if he's lifted up, he's the one that draws men unto him. Unfortunately, too many people have missed part of that, and they think that if they're lifted up or they present themselves, that's what draws people. But it's not. Besides that, even if you do draw people, it can't change people. Only the Lord lifted up can change people because he's drawn, and he's the only way that... And so he, that was an unequivocal statement, and I think the disciples would remember that because when you read throughout the book of Acts... When you read all the epistles, when you read the writings of Peter, the writings of Paul, the writings of John, Jude, all of them, they always emphasize not themselves, but they always emphasize the Lord Jesus Christ. They remembered his words. What about sin? Well, sometimes we'll come across people perhaps we were those people, that we believed that we could slip into uh, religion. You know, we could just kind of slip into it. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, that um, we can go and we can be a part and everything, and, and by association, we become, quote, godly. In other words, 
we got church, we got some religion, we, I go to church, et cetera, et cetera. But if we were to ask someone about that, especially one of the disciples, they would tell us something different, exactly what Jesus said about that. It's impossible to slip into Christianity unnoticed. Why? Because Jesus said this. Matthew, I think, would recall this because he recorded it in his gospel. Whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So it's not possible that we can just kind of slide into Christianity. There has to be a definite confession. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe in him. I've changed, given my life over to him. And so that's another, you know, statement that Jesus made that he would do that if we confess him, he will confess us before our Father. So how does that affect us? Well, if we live our lives and if we do nothing else but let people know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus says he will confess us before our Father. We try to follow him. We try to honor him. But more than anything, for us in our own lives today, how we live and what we encounter and everything, we remember that confession regarding Jesus Christ is so very, very important. It's very easy, I think, to live in this day and time to where, like I say, you can... Uh, uh, kind of be distant and everything, kind of like Peter would follow at a distance, but it's impossible. We cannot be distant at all from our Christian confession of Jesus Christ. Either we confess him or we don't. Either we live openly for him or we don't. And if we don't, he says, I won't confess you before my father, but if you do, I will confess you before my father. I think that guided the disciples throughout all of their lives. Why do I say that? Because we know the end result. We know the, the, the living and the suffering and finally the deaths of various of the disciples. And they, they did not fail continually confessing that their love and their loyalty was to Jesus Christ. In fact, we know uh, by tradition and heritage. That's why Peter, Peter was executed, because he would not confess that Caesar was his Lord. He confessed that Jesus Christ was his Lord. Same thing with Paul. He lost his life. Why? Because he refused to confess anyone else other than Jesus Christ that he was the Lord. And as a result, I'm convinced. That's why Paul wrote, he said, I, I'm ready to be offered. There's a crown laid for me. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. What they did, they confessed the Lord throughout their life. So for us, we must live a life that we confess our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't always be trying to fit in because there's a certain element and a certain part of existence that will not allow Christ to be fitted in. And so we have to live for him regardless. The other thing as I was thinking about, and I was reminded of Mary Magdalene and I was re reminded of all that. And, you know, I think even Mary Magdalene and Mary, different ones, Lazarus, I, I, I think all, I mean, uh, 
uh, yeah, Lazarus, all of them were witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that um, especially regarding Mary Magdalene, I, I, I think that there were times that people wondered if they could be cleansed or cleaned. I know I, I, know I thought that. I, I, I thought that. I wondered. In fact, just to share a little tidbit, I used to observe, and I still to this day observe people that I consider good, better than me. And when I observe them, I think, of course they're going to make it to heaven. Of course they are. They're good people. Uh, they do good. But then on the backside of that, of that thought with me, sometimes I wonder, but I wonder if I'm good. I wonder if I'll hear well done. And I don't know that, I, I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that because in, in dealing with people throughout their lives, I find that this is a common, I won't say fear, but concern. I wonder if I have done enough, or I wonder if, if I'm going to be accepted by God. Well, here's what I know. If we were to ask someone again, like uh, the Apostle James, you know, or, or uh, whoever, another apostle, does the Lord, does he cleanse everyone? I mean, is, will he do that? Is there someone that has done so much, so bad, for so long, that he will not cleanse? And I think one of the disciples would, would very easily say, I know, again, it's recorded in Luke. They'd say, well, I remember one day there was, a, there was a man who had leprosy. And he came and, and, and he asked this question of the Lord. He yelled out and he said, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And without hesitation, the Lord said, I am willing. Be thou clean. I think we have to rest on what that says. In fact, for us, for me, I have to remember that. The Lord is willing to cleanse anyone and everyone. He is willing. We may not be willing to go to the Lord when we should, but that's not the case with the Lord. He is always willing to cleanse anyone and everyone that comes to him. If we confess our sins, the scriptures say, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, sometimes in the shadows of the night, that's, that's something that's worth remembering. In the shadows of the night, that the Lord is willing and has been willing to always forgive those who come to him. Then I was thinking about, you know, other things that the, they could remember. I know that they would speak, especially uh, we read the, a lot in Paul, and Paul had listened to the other disciples and things. And I think Paul was very aware of things that had been said, whether he believed them or not initially. But ultimately he did. But we find some of the greatest things uh, written about the resurrection. Now, understand the disciples, or let's say, let's say, the disciples they, they saw the Lord resurrected, but they didn't realize initially that his resurrection didn't mean that he was going to stay with them forever, but he was going to be resurrected. And, I'm, and he said, and they remembered this, I'm going to go to my father. 
That's where I came from. So he was not going to be with them. So they were left with the, uh, the memory of the resurrection and what it, what it means. Well, Jesus was resurrected, but what about us? You know, that's something else that we just have no answers beyond the grave. None of us do. I've looked, I've, over the years, looked at all the religions, and they're interesting and they're fascinating. Uh, the, the, the attempt to explain what happens, you know, after death. What is it? None of us know. But we do have an inkling if we listen and remember the words of the Lord, because He exclusively is the only one that's been able to tell us what's on the backside of that curtain. The only one. Every religion attempts it. In fact, I've made this statement, and I think I'm correct. You are in a vast minority. A person is in vast minority of humanity if they do not believe in a soul and they do not believe in life after death because every religion on the face of the earth has attempted to explain or understand it. But it was only through Jesus Christ that we understand that while we live this life, life is this life, but it is not the end life. It is not the end of the story because he kept talking about resurrection. And to the disciples, it didn't make a lot of sense. They had not seen resurrection. They didn't really understand it. They knew it by doctrine. They knew it by thought, but didn't understand it. Until they saw that that tomb was empty. And once it was empty, they then understood that the resurrection is truly something that is so powerful that it's beyond our imagination or perhaps understanding until Jesus was resurrected. And then it became understandable. So today, if we're asked or even we think about what happens after that, what happens? We like John, like Matthew, like Peter, we, we all can remember the words of the Lord, what he himself said, not regarding only him, but us. Here's what he said, and this is the will of God, my Father, who sent me. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, they can have everlasting life, and I will raise them up on the last day. I think in the shadows of the night, that's another thing that we can actually remember. In fact, I know for a fact by the scriptures that all the disciples would recall this, perhaps time and time again, that no matter what they were going through, one day Jesus Christ was going to raise them up. No matter what happened, no matter if they lost their life, no matter if they suffered, no matter how it happened, that ultimately Jesus Christ was going to raise them up from the dead. Well, for us today, I think that it's good for us to recall that. The lives that we live and the life that we encounter are not full of joy and honor. There's a lot of heartache and a lot of hardness and a lot of things we don't understand. But this is something that Jesus said unequivocally that he would do. That if we believe in him, if we've confessed our sin, if we followed him, if we've served him, if we have done what we can do to honor Jesus Christ and we believe in him, he said this, I will resurrect you. 
on the last day. So all of our efforts, as Paul said, is not in vain. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brother, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Why? Because Jesus said, I will raise you up. You will not be forgotten. Finally, resurrection. You know, I, I think the disciples wondered when they saw Jesus ascend and disappear into the clouds, where? What happens? Was he gone? We sometimes think that. I get this question still, and I'm sure you do too. You know, do we, are we asleep when we die, or, or, or are we with the Lord? Well, I'll, I, again, I remember what the Lord said. He told the thief, today you'll be with me with paradise. So I, I, I think that that's what happens. We are immediately in the presence of the Lord. But there was a greater promise, something that Jesus Christ unequivocally said he was going to do. And I think this, again, calmed the disciples. You remember uh, when on the, uh, the Last Supper, he was with, in the upper room with the disciples, and he was talking that he was going to go away. And he was very, very, uh, very adamant that it was going to take place, that he was going to go away. And it, it upset the disciples, and Thomas was one of them. He said, well, Lord, you know, how can we, we'd like to go. And, and, and he said, you can't go where I'm going yet. And Thomas said, well, how, how can we? And he said, well, I'm the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. But then Jesus went ahead and explained this. And he said, however, when I go away, I'm going to go and prepare a place for, for you. I will come again. I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, you, Thomas, will be there too. That guided, comforted, and calmed the disciples all their life. Because Jesus was so adamant that he would do this. And so... That's why I wanted to at least look at it from a perspective that remembering what the Lord had said calmed, directed, instructed the disciples. And if it did with them, then I'm convinced it will with us too. There's a lot of unsettledness in our world right now. In fact, I find myself, unfortunately, I find myself being drawn more to the the naysayers and the end of the world are things when I read about, and you know, I'm fascinated by it. But I realize that when I read such junk and everything, first of all, they don't know what they're talking about all the time. Secondly, it upsets the fire out of me. And I mean, it does. But then, interestingly enough, it's better than counting sheep. It just is. I remember the words of the Lord. I read them. They comfort me. And I especially, even recently, have remembered the Lord's of what he said to the disciples that night. He's going to prepare a place for us. He will come again. He'll bring us into himself. Why? So that where he is, we can be there too. 
a calming effect of the memories of what the Lord had said. So for us today, in closing, it's this. There is real virtue and value in remembering the words of the Lord and the words of God. In fact, we do a hymn that I love, Ancient Words. And then that we did it a couple of weeks ago. I, I could almost do that every week, but it's, it's so important. And here's what the scriptures say about that. He says, the psalmist wrote, and he wrote this, and he said, my, my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart is so distressed. However, I will remember the days of old, and I will meditate on the works of God. Remember the former things of old, God says. I'm God. There is no other, and there is none like me. So for us today, like the disciples, wondering what's next, what's coming down the pipe, what's going to happen tomorrow, it doesn't really matter because the Lord has made some very definite statements about us. He'll forgive us. He comforts us. He guides us. He, he uh, is there with us, doesn't leave us comfortless. But more than anything, he's coming back for us. And, and the reason is... Because when he comes back for us, he's going to take us with him to be where he is. And quite honestly, uh, given the world and the condition that it's in, I think it's a much better place to be where he is rather than where we are right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to just simply ponder and meditate and think. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort us uh, in our lives for whatever we are going through, however we have seen loss, we've, we've experienced that. And Lord, we pray that we might remember your words, your words of promise and comfort, your words that you were going to not forget us and leave us comfortless, but you'd always be with us, even to the end of the world. I pray today, Lord, in this prayer of thanks, that I'm thankful that you have given and preserved the words in the scriptures that we might read and find calmness in the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close. And we'll uh, just sing this hymn. It's a hymn of invitation, but it's also one that we need to be reminded that the Lord is always waiting on us. So, you know, He's willing. We sometimes aren't, but He always is willing. So, what page? 412. 412. We'll sing one verse. If you'd like to come and pray, oh, that'd be a great thing. Or you can pray where you are as we sing.